Welcome to Give Him Hell Brigham. Jeff, have you applied for a coaching position at BYU? I have not. I don't know. I mean, as much as I like to talk like I know football, I don't know anything about football. And so I never have. And in my heart, I feel like if they want me for my recruiting prowess, they'll call me. Like that's the ego that I have. If people don't think I have a big ego, the ego that I have says that me, somebody who has never played college football and has never worked a college football job, thinks that they will call me if they want me. So no, it never has. Never, never, never really crossed my mind to apply because I should get poached. I mean, it would be nice. Once upon a time, the big sky who's their headquarters is right around the corner from your house, right? Like they're yeah, right in, in Ogden or something. Yeah. So they were hiring for like a new conference commissioner and I, uh, Robbie McCombs and a couple of our friends were like, okay, we're going to put together a group presentation about why they should collectively hire all of us. And we'll do it for like free as a side gig to, you know, collaboratively run the big sky. And I think they should have accepted our proposal, but they didn't. Mm. Uh, but I mean, it's, I think it would be easier than actually being a collegiate football coach. Yeah. Especially in the big yeah, sky. Like so. that league's on autopilot. Well, other than the whack trying to resurrect as a football conference and pick off some of your members. I love it. And I was thinking about that as I was reading uh, about the whack and its resurgence. I never really was a BYU fan during the whack, you know? Like I was, I was a Mount West guy. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, the days of the whack are, are nothing to me. And it felt a little bit bad because my dad was kind of excited about whack football because it, like, hit home. Whack means nothing to me. Yeah, I think it's kind of crazy to me that it's I'm trying to imagine Dixie State, which is all, you know, our Dixie State being a JC that we used to recruit guys from, and then Dixie State being a D2 school that nobody cared about. And then now Dixie State's moving up to FCS, and now the WAC is officially going to announce that they are going to start up as an FCS conference with a goal of moving back to FCS at the end of the year. Like, it's bizarre to me that Weber, with all their success, has is going to stay in the FCS, but then we're talking about Dixie and SUU moving up. And why wouldn't FBS. Weber why wouldn't Weber join that bandwagon and try to I don't to know. That? They should. Weber and NAU should could both do it. But they That's um, strange. Because yeah, I mean it's weird. The Montana I mean, schools. You, both Montana schools should try. Well, the WAC invited the Montana schools when things were falling apart to try to keep enough teams in the league and both of the schools turned them down and said, No, we'll stay. Like we don't want to go in that flailing league. And they're probably smart because it ended up becoming terrible and had schools in Chicago and Kansas City that part of your league but it's yeah it's kind of just interesting how the timeline has gone because you know dixie state went from jc to d2 to fcs and now looking at fbs and i mean even 25 years ago the suu only moved up from division two to fcs in like 97 or something like that yeah right I mean, I, it, it seems like a good opportunity like a good time for those guys to do like the schools like those fcs schools to try and move up to the fbs ranks if this whole G5 national championship thing, P5 break off, and now there's a middle tier of college football between FCS and whatever new P5 football is going to be, seems like the FCS schools would want to get in on that. But yeah, I especially, I don't know. And 
people a lot of times obviously there's the fcs has to like has only 65 scholarships to fund instead of 85 so there's some of that number involved there and you coaching salaries are expected to be higher or whatnot but you know your buy gate your value for a buy game basically doubles if you're yeah, an I mean, program versus an fcs so it's right. it's not for schools and a lot of people say like oh new mexico state should just drop down there's no reason for them to be an fbs independent it's like well they're getting three or four buy games a year and that's bankrolling things and they would probably be losing more money if they were because like look at idaho they dropped out of the they got kicked out of the Sun Belt. they couldn't do it as an independent they were like okay we're just pulling down and we're going to drop into the big sky and move to fbs they still suck but they are sucking and getting paid less money than they got paid to suck before and so their financial situation is actually worse now than they were as a nobody cares fbs independent how strange college football is the weirdest thing in the world garrett we're a day late on the show this week I feel like crap. If people can't tell that I sound different, it's because I feel like garbage. I am negative, at least according to my rapid test, which I don't know how uh, accurate the first test is. I don't really care. It feels like a cold. Even if I am positive, like it's not like I can take a, you know, a medicine or anything like that. Right. So I'm kind of stuck in my room. It's what I'm doing. Um, well, that's why we're a day late because I felt like garbage yesterday. You're sick. I mean, you're not you're not feeling like I'm, crap. I'm not as sick great. as you are. No, I've we everyone in my house has been sick for the last you know probably about a week or so, just kind of varying degrees of runny noses to uh, you know anywhere from just a runny nose to feeling kind of like you are right now, not being able to get out of bed. So it's just it's that crappy flu season time of year where it's just you get, I mean that most people don't actually get the flu but you just get a cold and it you just, just lingers sick. and it's yeah, yeah so i went and i got tested this morning we'll see in a couple of days just because it i've had a nagging cough and i usually don't have that when i'm you know usually don't have that when i uh when i do get a cold it's not so much in my chest so we'll see it's because it's just kind of felt it there where the covid supposedly lies but at this yeah. point it's every time i get mildly sick i'm like oh man i hope it's covid like I don't want to get sick. Like, I don't want to get the hospital, you know, almost die COVID or like severe lung damage COVID. But if I'm like, okay, if I got the sniffles, let me get two birds with one stone here. Like it's every time I do get, if I feel something, I want it to be COVID because it's like, I know, okay, I'm good. I got over that. I hope it was, I'm good. That was two weeks ago. I hope it was COVID. Yeah. You want to have had COVID. You don't want to have COVID, but you want to have had COVID. Yes. And inherently you can't have had it unless you have it at some point. Right. But I want to, I want to get the good COVID, right? Like the mild, yeah. very asymptomatic. mild, asymptomatic, very mild. If any symptoms at all, I have a runny nose, but I got them antibodies going and I'm good. Yeah, I, I get that. I want that COVID. But we're here, man. So even though we don't feel great, sorry, if we sound weird, deal with it. It's just kind of, you know, the nature of the beast. We're dedicated to the show. We're dedicated. We're not as dedicated as we should have been. If we were really dedicated, we would have uh, we would have recorded last night. So we're not maybe 100% dedicated, but it's the off season. But we're dedicated enough that we're here today. We're bringing you this show. You know who is not dedicated to BYU football? It's Jeff Grimes. That dude, man. He gets he, one good season, and he's just out on us. You know, if, if I'm a Baylor fan today, Okay, I, I want to go through. Now, look, 
I, I feel like I have to preface this. Jeff Grimes is great. There's a lot of people who have varying opinions of him because, you know, they believe that, and we're, we're going to talk about play calling, but they believe that, you know, whoever called plays or Roderick, it was really Roderick and Fessy, wasn't Jeff, blah, 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 blah. This isn't about that, at least this statement right here. Jeff Grimes is great. Like, he's very, very good at what he does. And I think he is a very, very smart football coach. I wish he would have never left. I wish BYU could have him for the next 20 years. Now, having said that, let's put yourself in the shoes of a Baylor fan today, this week. Uh, you hear possible rumors that you're getting Jeff Grimes. So what do you what do? You, do? You, you immediately look up BYU, and you see that Jeff Grimes, he helped produce Zach Wilson, who's going to be a top five pick. He helped get Brady Christensen to the All-American team. Dax Milne, Tyler Algier, both went for more than 1,000 yards. BYU is in the top 10 of just about any offensive category you could find. You're pumped about Jeff Grimes. So Jeff Grimes gets announced, and then the staff at Baylor starts to fill itself out. And not one BYU coach goes with Jeff Grimes. Not one. Maybe. Ryan Pugh, kind of. But then that doesn't pan out. And now today, it sounds like Eric Mateos is coming to, to Baylor. He will go. But that, that was the second choice very clearly. And who knows, right? At least his second choice. Maybe it was his fifth choice. But if you're hiring, if you're Baylor, you're a Baylor fan, you know you're in the Big 12. You know, Robert Griffin isn't that long gone. You, you just had a Heisman Trophy winner. You were in the conversation one year ago, two years ago, for a potential New Year's Six bid. A potential playoff bid. They went to the New Year's Six, a potential playoff bid, and, and they lost their coach to the Carolina Panthers. Like, if you're Baylor, you, you think that you're a pretty upper echelon program of the last recent years, and you go down to lowly BYU, you hire their offensive coordinator, and initially he doesn't pull one single offensive coach with him. And then, and then, Jerem Jordan and others go on radio in Baylor, like in Waco area, wherever. And then you learn that Jeff Grimes has maybe not been the, certainly has not been the sole play caller, but according to some, hasn't called any plays, which I would dispute, but hasn't been calling plays for the last 19 games. How do you feel, Baylor fan Garrett, a week after the Jeff Grimes rumors start to, to surface? Well, I mean, especially, I mean, that's a little nerve wracking and you're kind of unsure. And then Ryan Pugh is hired and then unhired, which is like, okay, that now two days in a row, I'm very confused. But I think it was kind of odd to me that certain people went on and said he hadn't called plays in 19 games because that's just not true, right? Like it's, I think people, people think that play calling is very much like, oh, this person is the play caller and they just decide 100% of the time they're standing there, they have the sheet, no one else says anything, whatever. Like it's all very, like it is very collaborative and that's not, and that's not specifically a BYU thing. And I know in his introductory press conference, Aaron Roderick did mention that, you know, it was like he did the red zone and Fessy focused on third downs and Mateo's focused on short yardage. And so they each had their things of like where they game planned around. And because that was their area of the game plan, you know, 
Grimes would say, Hey, what do you fest? What are you feeling right now? It's, you know, it's third down. What are you thinking? And like, Oh, I think this would be open. Yeah. Or what about this? Okay. Yeah. That sounds good to me. Let's do it. Like that's more of how play calling happens in real time with the, whoever the designated coordinator or play caller is getting the final say of things. And it's a collaborative effort, right? Like it's position coaches are not just there to, you know, run drills and practice and then stand on the sideline and, you know, not say anything or contribute any insight or strategy or any belief to anything else, right? Like that would be, they get paid too much money and they have too much expertise for that to happen. Nothing. And I mean, even anything, like nothing in any job, any team function works that way where it's just like, oh, this person's in charge and we're going to do exactly what they say. And so the there's varying levels of like what that collaboration is. And it's more important for the staff to find what works for that balance. And you may, you know, rely on more things or input from different, if you have younger coaches or older coaches and, you know, who gets what input where will change, but it's, um, so it, you know, I would be kind of weary and I'm unsure, especially getting back to what you originally said of, you know, from a Baylor standpoint, if, it's like BYU fans are saying like, oh yeah, they were kind of not that good. And then they had this good year, but it may not actually have been him. And then he hired, no one wanted to follow him. And then he hired someone. And then there were a lot of issues that came up. And so we fired him literally less than 24 hours later. I don't know how I feel if I'm a Baylor fan. Uh, you feel weird. I'm not excited. I mean, yeah. At worst you feel, or at best you feel uncomfortable, right? Especially when BYU, not only did they, keep the staff but it took less than 12 hours to promote Roderick and so it made it feel like if I'm a Baylor fan and I see how quickly Kalani Stake moved it's like oh wait did we hire the right coach now I think Jeff Grimes is going to go do great things and we have breaking news it sounds like that uh, Eric Mateos is officially moving I think we all kind of assumed that as of this morning but news is breaking now that he he has accepted the job at Baylor. So happy wedding present to him. He'll make a little bit more money. He's getting married on Saturday. Uh, so good for them. I think that's great. Uh, I think he'll do fine at Baylor. Now, I want to say this about Baylor, and I want to say this about Coach Mateos. Uh, he, he's a good football coach. He's from the South. He loves Texas. I've talked a bit to Coach Mateos a couple of times during his couple of years at BYU, and uh, he loves Texas. Like he told me a long, long time ago, just in friendly conversation that Texas is the place that he's going to retire one day. Like he absolutely loves the state of Texas and for him to be able to get a P five job in his dream state and make a little bit more money while doing so good for him. Like good for him. Wish him absolutely nothing but the best. What does BYU do from here? It'll be interesting to see. There's one thing I know in talking with people uh, this morning, because I am just sitting in bed, I've had nothing to do but send text messages to just random people throughout the day. And in, in sending those texts and, and having subsequent conversations, there's a lot of confidence that Aaron Roderick will hire an offensive line coach very quickly. He has a lot of connections, apparently. Um, you know, when you look at his coaching resume, he was at Utah forever, and that's pretty much the extent of it, Southern Utah a little bit before that. But he's met a lot of coaches, a, a wide network of coaches, especially coaches at schools that he has previously recruited at, um, recruiting junior college players. Those JUCO coaches have since reached the FBS ranks, and now Aaron Roderick can go and, and, uh, and hire from that pool of coaches. So the guy knows a ton of different people. That's what happens when you coach 
in this industry for, for as long as Aaron Roderick has. Um, in, in fact, Kevin Clune, who looks like he's going to end up being a linebacker coach for BYU, former offense, or excuse me, former defensive coordinator at Oregon State, at defense coordinator at Utah State, at Hawaii, uh, he and Aaron Roderick are very close friends. Like they never, you, you know, if you look at their resumes, it didn't really cross path. Maybe they did when they were at SUU together, or maybe when, uh, maybe at Utah, when Clune was a GA at Utah, but I mean, certainly not, uh, not recently and not for very long. They never worked, you know, hand in hand with each other, but they're very good friends. And that was a large reason why Clune was an advisor for BYU this past season was because of his friendship with Roderick. So uh, Roderick, I, I have, complete confidence that he's going to hire somebody. Um, the news is breaking, you know, as we're recording. So it's probably, it's probably irresponsible to even throw out potential names at this point, then we would be guessing, right? Like we could say Dallas Reynolds, he was floated around last time. You know, we, people are going to talk about Mike Empey coming back for round three, like don't count on that happening, but there's, you know, there's going to be names that come out immediately. I don't think that any of the names that come out in the next, couple of hours are anything more than just recycled names that we've used in previous coaching searches or that people have used in previous coaching searches. And I think that BYU fans need to get comfortable and ready to accept this because it's a good thing that BYU is a bigger brand than needing to just recycle the same names, right? Like how many times Garrett in the last you know, a couple of days, I guess, 24 hours since the whole Ryan Pugh and Baylor thing kind of fell apart. How many times have you seen somebody say, well, maybe Ryan Pugh could come back? Well, maybe he could, and maybe that'd be great, yeah. but BYU doesn't have to just go for the same people. Like Ryan Pugh was a nobody that BYU had ever known when he came right. to program. And I mean, Eric Mateos as well. Like he, obviously he had the connection with Jeff Grimes having been a GA under him but that was it. Like he was not a hot name on the market, right? He was fortunate to know Jeff Grimes and have him in the network and have that trust and rapport with Jeff Grimes. And so he got the call as the replacement, but also, you know, the, he was presumably, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he initially offered to take him to Baylor with him and then the Pew thing happened and then he came back and, you know, Mateo said, actually, maybe I am interested or how that happened, but it, you know, it was, Jeff Grimes could have brought Eric Mateos the first time, but he brought Ryan Pugh first too. And so it's not, you know, so there is, and Pugh is great and we replaced him well. And so it's not, this is no knock, and I'm not saying this to knock Eric Mateos at all. He is a great coach, um, but it's, you know, there are not any coaches like look at AJ Stewart, right? We had him for two years before he went to Arizona and he, you know, he was someone that had zero ties to the program. He played at Kansas and coached at Rice. Like he had zero ties to anybody in the program, but we went out and did a search and found a good quality coach who was then picked off by a P5 program. Um, so it's, and who's someone who is respected within the coaching industry. So it's, I agree with you. I think it's going to be someone who, um, I think it's someone who is going to be maybe focused more on the offensive or I think it'd be someone who's probably more of a technician on the offensive line um, because I think the biggest lot, the bigger loss with losing Eric Mateos is him as a recruiter and him being yeah. as a, as a motivator and as a recruiter and Kevin Clune, when we're talking about him as the defensive line coach, that's not his style, right? Or it's not his style. It's he's not, he's an older coach. He's more experienced. He's going to be more of a, 
uh, he's going to be more of a Steve Kafusi type defensive line coach if that's where he gets slotted or if he you know put him at linebacker and then move Ed Lamb down to help on the defensive line whatever and this is something we've talked about previously on the show that it would given what we need on defense it makes sense to lighten up Elisa Tuyaki's load on the defensive line and have an interior D-line and an exterior like more of a pass rush coach working with the DNs and the outside linebackers um but so it's he's more going to be more of that experienced guy bringing more strategy and game plan X's nose and but you still need that balance on your staff of having younger guys like the AJ Stewart's or the Eric Mateos's or the Ryan Pugh's who are, you know, more of connecting with the younger kids and, you know, being a recruiter first. And it's, you know, you can't, no assistants can't be extremely good at both. Assistants who are extremely good at both become coordinators and then quickly become head coaches, right? Like it's, so you have to balance and kind of do that trade-off of on the field, off the field things. And I, so I think depending on how the position opens up with that and, you know, maybe it's, you know, Mateo sleeves, we pull up, bring in an offensive line coach. And then now maybe even, you know, we move in Jason Ayu to the defense is working with the defensive line and he's like bring some recruiting in-home recruiting there because as the recruiting coordinator, he can only organize stuff and talk on the phone, but he can't actually get in person. So if he's that great of a recruiter, it's great to have him on couches, closing deals with kids in their living room, talking to their parents, et cetera. And so there's a lot of things. And I think assignments could shuffle around on the defensive side of the ball um, or, you know, things will get creative, but I'm not worried about Aaron Roderick's network or his ability to go out and find someone who can and, teach people to get a hat on a hat and move bodies. I want to say this about the recruiting aspect of the offensive line coach at BYU. I talked to a lot of these recruits, a ton of these recruits, all of these recruits. I talked to recruits that BYU doesn't offer. I talked to recruits that, that uh, BYU is the one who discovers them. Kimo Macaniole just committed to LSU. Uh, I, I talked to Kimo Macaniole a year and a half ago. I was the one who I sent Dylan Rollins's film and like Branson Yeager's film to coach Mateos. Right. I, I, I talked to a lot of these kids and that's not, you know, pound my chest and say, look how great I am. That's the, but it is an illustration of the point that I'm getting to all that you have to do. And I, I, I don't want to reduce this to make it sound like Mateos wasn't doing a good job because he was doing a great, 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 great job. He is BYU's best recruiter, but all that you, you have to do to be successful recruiting offensive linemen at BYU is recruit the offensive linemen. Like that sounds so simple, but the, if there's one advantage that recruiting at BYU has, it's the Polynesian connection and recruiting LDS players. You're not going to get all of them. Kingsley Suamatea is still going to go to Oregon. Kimo Makaniele is still going to go to LSU, but there are so many high caliber offensive linemen who are either Polynesian or LDS that dream of playing at BYU. Weston Jones had P5 offers. It's going to be great. Give Mateos a ton of credit because he deserves it. Uh, Eric, but uh, Weston Jones is coming to BYU no matter who the offensive line coach is, period. Uh, Isaiah Tupo last year, same, same deal. He had offers for BYU, Utah, UCLA. That kid was a BYU kid through and through. All he needed was an offer and somebody to just continually show the love, right? That kid was covered to BYU no matter what. Um, and Inoka, well, Elia, Elia Miguel, Inoka's a defensive end, but Elia Miguel, that's an example of a BYU kid who wants to come to BYU, but if, if a recruiting, a position coach is not there to continually show the love, he probably goes somewhere else. So Mateos does deserve a ton of credit, 
in getting Miguel to come to BYU. But it's not like these are players that are, you know, he's beating out all of these P5 schools and it's like, what the hell? Why did that person choose BYU? These are players that are LDS. These are players that have a strong connection to the program. And, and Mateos just did what he needed to do to allow them to fulfill their dream of playing at BYU, which is not something that we can say about previous offensive line coaches, right? right. That's why Mateos has been such a home run. But having said that, it's a position, if there is a position that you can replace with somebody, it's the offensive line coach because that is the one, for whatever reason, offensive line and linebackers and tight ends, Mormons make really good linebackers, offensive linemen, and tight ends. And so that's the one advantage in a recruiting pool that BYU has. So get somebody in who's willing to grind. Teos did grind. There's no question about it. He never got beat, even with Kimo and Kingsley. He never got beat because he he let somebody recruit harder than he did. Right. But it wasn't like he was pulling guys out of Texas who were picking BYU over P5 schools and BYU wasn't even on the map until they were offered, right? Like these are guys who have a strong connection to the program, and it wasn't that surprising that they chose BYU. Again, I don't want to reduce what, what Mateos did. He did great, great things. But it is a position that we that BYU should be able to have great, great things done. Agreed. And so it's it really is, um, you know, something to where uh, recruiting, it's not necessarily at the position, right? Like, it's not like, oh, Mateos is the O-line coach. He's the only one who talks to the offensive linemen, right? Like, it's coaches will have their geographic area because relationships are very important. And so they want to get working with the high school coaches in the area, the JC coaches, and, you know, building up those relationships and kind of getting a network to where, you know, you have a high school coach vouching for your kid to you or, you know, high school coach ringing you up and saying, hey, we played against this kid last week. This kid can ball like you should talk to him, whatever. That's where recruiting comes from. And then there is also the aspect of the primary recruiter, but then also building the relationship with the position coach. And sometimes that's the same person and sometimes that's different. And so, and as hey, long as you have a great primary recruiter on the staff, like as long as we can replace that. And if that's Jason, all you coming in as the D line coach, and that is, you know, filling the good closer raw, raw grinding recruiter that Mateos brought, then we can get a technician really as an offensive line coach. It's like, I just want someone who's a hard ass and who's just going to grind and get yell at kids and get them moving in gear and get people to be nasty right because that's what it you know in the um mark weber era of offensive line coaching you know when we were kind of coming out into like 2012 that era of offensive line coaching the you know it's just it kind of seemed soft and it wasn't like the line was just undersized it was poorly recruited and like you said it wasn't because they were you know it was just they weren't closing on these people who should be available and it's just if you put the effort in like it's, it's very effort-based with getting good enough offensive line talent in the door in Provo. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and listen, I'm still here, you know, I'm still here to send film to whoever needs to, to see it about Dylan Rollins, about Micah Mate Lau, about Branson Yeager. I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere. And so I will continue to do what I need to do to, I don't really do it for BYU. I do it because if they go to BYU, then great, but I do it for the site. I do it for the podcast, right? That's why I do this. But I want to switch gears a little bit, and and this isn't on our agenda, and it never would be, but you know how I like to do things around here, Garrett. I'm sitting in bed all day today, and I'm just watching Netflix because what else am I going to do? 
uh, a very underrated show for what it's worth. Also, I did watch the first episode of Kim, Kim's Convenience. Thank I didn't you. like it. I didn't what? like it. Okay, this podcast is done. This is our last episode. <laughs> I didn't like it. It just wasn't me. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it didn't grab me. I probably need to give it a better chance, but it didn't grab me initially. So I'll circle back to it eventually. But today I watched a movie. I'd seen it before, but I had forgotten how good it was. The Highwaymen about the chase for Bonnie and Clyde. Kevin Costner, Woody Harrelson are like the 1930s cops that, that ended up catching, killing Bonnie and Clyde. It's a great movie. If you're into Westerns, this isn't a Western. I mean, it based, it's based in Texas, but it's in like the 30s. So it's almost more of like that mob boss feel, kind of like The Untouchables, which is also a good Kevin Costner movie from the 80s. But The Highwayman, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's two hours long. I think it's a Netflix special. Uh, there's a decent amount of blood. I can't remember a ton of like profanity. So it feels like one that you can, you know, anybody who's listening to this show could uh, probably stomach just fine. I thoroughly enjoyed it. So there's my recommendation to, to you, Garrett, to everybody else who's listening. The Highwayman, when you have two hours this weekend in between NFL playoff games, check it out because I think that you'll, you'll appreciate it. We'll check this out. Speaking of Woody Harrelson, did you know that his dad was like a, a hitman? Really? Yes. His dad was sentenced to life in prison for assassinating a federal judge and was tried multiple times for multiple other murder for hires. He is one of my favorite actors. He, same. I, I love He's very underrated. He doesn't get the appreciation. Well, and he's so versatile. He can do anything, like whether he's being like the weird wizard dude of Hunger Games or whether it's a comedy role in like Zombieland or whether it's this. He's a 1930s cop chasing down you know, mass killers. It was awesome. Like He's awesome. I think Woody Harrelson, he's a pothead. You know, I think he I, I think his he can't get into character unless he's super high. But whatever it takes to deliver what he delivers, I love him. I absolutely love him. Um, I agree. It's he, one of my favorite, I love his character and well, he was great in the hunger games and he's great in the, now you see me and now you see me oh, too yeah. movies. Yeah. A very yeah. excellent, excellent role. Um, so and we've talked about a lot on our show already, right? We talked about Jeff Grimes. I'm going through our agenda here. Make sure we haven't missed anything. Cause we hopped around way out of order. We so, did. Um, we, we've talked not about my Jeff fault Grimes. this time. It just sort no, of happened organic. It was very organic. We talked about Jeff Grimes. We've talked about Aaron Mateos. Eric Mateos. We've talked about Aaron Roderick and play calling. And so I think what we can expect from Aaron Roderick is, you know, more of the same in terms of the offensive style, right? Like this is the offense was designed based on the past experiences of having four people on the staff who are offensive coordinators, right? Like Steve Clark had been an offensive coordinator, both SUU and Weaver. Aaron Roderick had been the offensive coordinator at Utah. Fessy had been the offensive coordinator at Weaver. And then obviously Jeff Grimes is the offensive coordinator. So there were a lot of minds in that room. They kind of designed this system. They're going to retain much of that and there will be a new flair. And I think um, Aaron Roderick in his introductory press conference, if you, you can hop on to it's on YouTube on the BYU TV channel and watch that. It was very, very good. And he mentioned, you know, someone asked him the same question and he said, you know, it's like we change and we try to learn as much as we can. Like we don't coaches in that this coaches don't try to, you know, you can't, ex he said, you can't expect your players to put in work to get better and learn more in the off season. If you're not doing the same thing as a coach. 
And so that was awesome that he said that. And, it, and he, I remember too, when he was working as an analyst, there was an article in the Deseret News um, that he was just mentioning, you know, like, oh, that this is like, he was just spent time watching film nonstop, right? Like he was just trying to learn as much as he can about what the mistakes he made when he was at Utah and learn from other coaches and try to talk to other coaches and try to, you know, improve his understanding of the game. And so he's, he's been putting in the work and it's, we've really seen obviously with how well um, the quarterback positions have played the last two years. Um, and so he is going to do great. And it's, I think, I mean, even it was, his name was floated is the likely number two candidate behind uh, Jeff Grimes, you know, when the first go around three years ago. And, and so Fessy not, was probably number three. So, right. And it was, those were the three names and we managed to get all three of them. The one name that didn't come up that I know for a fact was floated around at that time also was Kevin Sumlin before he was hired at Arizona. And that is, I don't think a lot of BYU fans know about this, but if you made it this far on the podcast and we have not talked about it before, you are now aware of this nugget that that was an idea because he had just been fired from Texas A&M. He had a deal where it was, you know, Texas A&M owed him money that would be offset by any new job that he got. And so the idea was, hey, we can get, if we can get Kevin Sumlin in here for two years and pay him like, a hundred grand because in basically strap Texas A&M with the most of the bill then and just kind of let him hang out and rebuild his image. Then he can go off and get a new head coaching job. Then yeah, let's go do that. And that was a run that BYU attempted in that era, but obviously he went to Arizona and then I was fired from Arizona and got like $15 million to right off into the sunset. So Dude, that's props to dream. Kevin Sumlin. That's the dream, man. I want to, I don't want to be a college football head coach. I want to be fired from a college head football coach position. It's like that having is had the, the Rona. It's like, you don't yeah. want to have the Rona. You <laughs> right. It's the exact same thing. It is a hundred percent the exact same thing. I want to have been a college coach and not one that retired and left money on the table. I want to, I want to be Willie Taggart. Like, is he still coaching? Is he at FIU? Is that where he is? FAU. Butch Jones is at FIU. Uh, Willie Taggart, man, like, okay, he gets this Florida State job, then he gets, uh, well, he gets the Oregon job, then he gets this Oregon Florida State job, then he gets fired. The dude had so much money for doing absolutely nothing but being bad at his job. That is the dream. It really is. I mean, it's besides that, it's like also being like a backup quarterback in the NFL. Right. Like as you stand uh-huh. there, hold the clipboard, but you get paid a couple million and then yep. you don't, no one really expects much because you're the backup. And if the starter gets hurt or like leaves, then they're probably going to go draft someone in the top 10, pay him way more money to be yeah. in front of you. And you just kind of coast, coast Ty, off Ty into Demer. the sunset. Ty Demers the, the dream. He played, he played, you know, he had to play enough, but like 15 um, years, 14 years in the NFL. Yeah. Wow. The one for me is, uh, I mean, which brother is it? Josh McCown, uh, okay. the, who is around for like literally forever. His career earnings, $52 million. He's been a backup the entire time. And even to the point where in like 20, uh, it was 2019, he was a high school coach at his, he was coaching his kid's high school in Charlotte. And then the Eagles signed it. We're like, hey, you want to play? And he was like, oh, sure. I'll come be your backup. And he would just fly in on like, he would like fly home coach on Friday nights and like fly back on Sunday mornings and like go through walkthrough. And they're like, Hey, just kind of stand there, hold the clipboard. We'll give you $2 million a year to do it. Unbelievable. And you get paid like a backup quarterback, not like an assistant, you know, advisor coach or whatever. Right. 
So, I mean, it's, it really is, that is the American dream is defined as a f- recently unemployed college football coach or a backup quarterback. That is the uh, pinnacle. Famica, Famica Anai is a name that I would pay attention to. I know I said it's irresponsible, but Famica Anai is a name that you may want to pay attention to. He's at what is apparently like the BYU rehabilitation program at Texas A&M, whatever that is, A&M Texas Commerce. A&M Commerce. Uh, yep. But he's a guy, obviously, knows BYU really well. Uh, I think he'd do well. Like, he's not his dad. And I, I think he'd do very, very well. Uh, he's connected. He, people think highly of him. I think he would do well. Ben Ajie at BYU at Virginia, was a coach at Dixie State, is now at BYU Rehab. And I think he would do well. So I would yeah, I'm trying to remember that why that ended up being BYU Rehab. It was like... Their old head coach was, um, let me see. I don't remember. I don't remember um, why. All I remember is Coy Detmer Jr., but was there somebody before that? Um, no, it was, well, yes, but there, Coy Detmer Jr. was the first, and then a couple, uh, Tavita Maunga just signed there. He transferred after That's being where out of. Zadok ended up going after he committed up from there. BYU. Um, but somebody um, on there, somebody on the uh, BYU uh, on our Cougar Sports Insider board, I saw pointed out that he um, that there was a head the old head coach there had some ties. And oh, well, there you go. So that was kind of where that ended up. But he, uh, you know, so good. For, I wouldn't mind that because that was that one game run of Famika and I against Hawaii in 2012, before he tore his ACL and f- his career finished, you know, he, you know, that was something where, you know, he was just mean and getting after people in that game. And it was, I remember people talking about the offensive line, specifically him. And if you get noticed as an interior offensive lineman, then you're doing things right. Like you're out there just dominating people. Um, and he, uh, and so I think he had a little bit of an issue at Virginia, um, but that was a few years ago. And then he went from Virginia to Dixie um, and also, you know, spent time. He was a, um, he was a G, uh, GA, a graduate assistant um, under the final years of Mendenhall and then followed, um, you know, followed his dad and that staff to Virginia. So he's been around the block. He has some good experience and he kind of fits that mold of what we're talking about, or just like someone who would get after the players and kind of get effort out of the offensive line. Um, and so, and he, he is well coached, right? He grew up in a football family. His dad is a very good offensive line coach. He knows, he knows what he's doing. Um, so it's, that is another good name to watch. Uh, totally agree. So lots of, lots of coaching shuffling. Um, it, that you know tis the season and that that's the price it's the price you pay when you're good you know like it's just the nature of the beast and it's a good thing i i still think this this has to result when this staff is finalized i really hope an extension for kalani is also finalized because golly the guy deserves it and I just do it you know like there's no excuse if i and i i don't want to hear anybody say well he was extended last year i that is irrelevant. It really is irrelevant. If your team finishes in the top 10 of the AP poll, which BYU could probably do uh, here next week when that comes out, you extend that head coach, period. I don't care if it's Nick Saban at Alabama and he's not going anywhere until he wants to, 
I don't care if it's Kalani Satake, who has only been good for one year. If you are a college football program and you finish in the top 10, you extend your head coach. It's like a rule. Well, so even I, not even top 10, if you're in the top 25, right? Like I, it's, if you have a good year, you win coaches and something I would like to see that I, um, you know, we talked about this before. It's like you defer the extra payment, just give him, increase the salary pool, give him more years. You don't even need to up the value, right? Just give him, lock it down with years on the back end. And even if you don't change the buyout, then that it doesn't put the university in any more of a bind, but it gives a commitment to recruiting and it helps on the recruiting front. And that will help Kalani. You know, there is some incentive for Kalani to do that because he wants to continue to get guys in the door and show that the school is committed to him and building the program and whatnot. Um, But he, you know, a lot of schools and something I would like to see, and I don't know if it has this, and I have only read of one coach having this in there is not a like bonus, like you have a bonus if you win 10 games in a year or whatever, but having a multi-year bonus to get some consistency. So there, I read of a coach that um, it was, if he wins, it was like, it was at his Conference USA school. So obviously trying in a building program, but it was like, if you win 25 games over three seasons, then you get an extra bonus. So not just a one-off year, but if you can have two good years in three years, then you get an extra bonus on top of that for like incentivizing, incentivizing some consistency. And so that would be something I'd like to see in there as well. I would like to see something based on recruiting rankings. And don't tell me stars don't matter. When Vanderbilt just went out and hired Barton Simmons, Barton is the 24 seven well, was the 24 seven sports national recruiting director that has signed all of the stars. Like if I submit a review or a request for a four or five star rating, it's Barton who approves it. Uh, stars have to matter if guys like Barton Simmons are getting jobs. So put something about recruiting stars in coaches contracts. Some coaches do, but BYU should. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, they, if they want to hire us as consultants, if you're listening to this and you just want our opinion and consult us and we won't even charge you like, you know, big consulting fees or anything, just like send me a bunch of Nike stuff. You get Uh, my closet. You just need to fill my closet and that's all we need to do. And And I I don't want to be a full-time employee of BYU. I don't shave enough. I don't want to do, but I will be a consultant until the cows come home. So I, I agree with you. There are more consultants who are good. Uh, if you own a business, we get, we have we, we have to talk about people's consulting. If you own a business, not because we have to, because we have to, we have to because they're great. If you own a business and you need help with your data or your IT needs, people's consulting, they I don't know that they will allow you to stock their closet as payment, but for actual exchange of currency, They will come in. They will help you transform your business and thus allow you to make more currency. Teeples Consulting is owned and operated by a BYU fan in Ryan Teeples, a a magnificent guy, really smart, really has helped a ton of different programs or a ton of different companies rather across the country, including BYU itself, companies like Ancestry.com. You know, some big companies have hired Ryan and he has come in and helped transform their business. He can help transform your business. Go to teeplesconsulting.com. That's T-E-E-P-L-E-S consulting.com. Mention Give Them Hell Brigham, and then you might get a $500 referral fee. 
it's a great deal. It's a great company and it is a great man to work with and he will help your business do great things. So BYU, you guys can hire us and pay us in shoes for payment of money. You guys can hire you, anybody, BYU, I guess, if you'd like to, but anybody who owns a business can hire Ryan Teeples to come and help transform your business. It will make a difference uh, and it will help a great BYU fan and his small business out. I, I agreed. As someone who has done work for them, I can vouch for the quality of the work of Teeples Consulting. Um, and that, you know, we also, it's. I, we, I also, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Uh, we also have news. We may have another sponsor. Whoa, stop the presses. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to let the cat out of the bag yet, but it sounds like in the coming weeks, we will have an official sponsor. I don't know. I mean, at some point, Garrett, do we have to like start an LLC? Are we becoming so legit that we have to be recognized as a real thing? No, I don't want to start an LLC because then we have to pay taxes, and I disagree with that on a okay. fundamental level. I um, agree. So if you would like to pay us under the table so that we don't have to pay taxes and you want more ads in your podcast, well, hit us I mean, up. I think we got to cap this. If, if we get more people coming in, then we're going to have to start saying, okay, this is – we're going to have to start a bidding war here and kind of see what people are willing to pay or come back. Because I, I don't want to do more than one or two an episode. I don't, I don't want to either. But for the right price, I'll do just about anything. That's true. So, so, I mean, we can get you set up. We can do recurring billing. If you just want to give us money, you can give us money. You know, come sign up at Cougar Sports Insider. You can, you know, send, you can Venmo me money. You can Venmo Jeff money. We have Zelle. We have PayPal. Jeff works for a bank. He can set up a wire. You know, we can send invoices to you. If you just want to send us money, Jeff will set up a Bitcoin wallet and we'll accept crypto. We will accept all cryptocurrencies. I don't all care whatever random altcoin you have sitting around from 2017, 2016, we will take it. I, I already have multiple Bitcoin wallets at multiple different Bitcoin outfits. So by all means, send me a by crypto, outfits. Crypto I think you mean bookies online. <laughs> and well, we, we'll give you, actually, we'll give you the big, we will for our nitrogen sports or Bavada um or five dimes account we will give you the receiving bitcoin wallet address to send money <laughs> to our bookie okay well i do have those i was talking about like coinbase but you're right bovada i do have a bovada i do have a nitro sports uh i was in where was i was i in tennessee i can't remember where it was legalized first but i was in whatever state was one of the first two or three to legalize online sports betting a year or two ago. And I just happened to be in that state. So I also have a DraftKings account as well. Okay. that no longer works here in Utah, but I could bet at the time in whichever state I was in at the time. I can't remember which one it was. So yeah, I mean, if we want to work out something like that, you can help fuel my gambling. I don't want to say it's a problem. I have no problem placing a bet. It's not a gambling problem. I know how to do it. But my gambling prowess, you can help enhance my gambling prowess. Yeah. I mean, it, and really, you can pad the, fund the losses, right? It's, the <laughs> podcast is a hedge against that wild parlay he tried for last weekend. That's really what this is coming that's, down to. That's all that it is. There's an interesting line tonight that impacts BYU. Gonzaga, anytime, any team, any place, anywhere, whatever. BYU is playing Gonzaga tonight. Gonzaga's a 17-point favorite, and I am 
I mean, you'd really, really, really have to convince me not to take the Zags. Yeah. Like, 17's a ton, but this Gonzaga team is annihilating everybody they play. Yeah, I don't see... I want it to be closer than that, but it's the Zags are good, and we haven't played in, like, a month. Right? Yeah, it's been a long time. And Gonzaga's uh, really good, and that really is the problem. I don't know how Gonz- I don't know how BYU matches up. Yeah, I, I don't think it's, I don't know how this is gonna work, but it's, it'll see. This could be one of the things though, where it's like Mark Pope just comes out, and you're like, okay, well, let's do this. I didn't, I'm surprised, right? Like it's, so I'm not sure what to fully expect, but I think this is the best. Zach's time. It seems like we've said this every year for like the last five or six years, really since, since Kelly Olenek was there and they hit that number one and got their first one seed, right? They've just been dominant. And I think legitimately though, this is the best Zach's team of Mark Few's tenure. And I would not be surprised if they win it all this year. Uh, Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. I just, it's really tough. I think this BYU team is good. I believe in Mark Pope. I think he's going to have them in the right direction. I think he has them in the right direction and BYU will continue to be very good this season. I just don't see how they or really anybody in the country beats Gonzaga this year. It's just going to be really, really tough. Um, The line has gone in BYU's favor a little bit. It opened as a 19 point spread. So somebody thinks BYU is good enough to cover. I just don't know The, the the Zags do everything. Well, they have, potentially the number one draft pick. And that's one thing that Gonzaga hasn't had in the past is that like just top flight going to be great NBA talent. They do in Jalen Suggs. He's a stud. Uh, I don't know how, I mean, really BYU has to ask um, Alex Barcelo to defend him. And so that's going to be, he's going to have his hands, hands full for sure. And now you're going to ask Barcelo to continue to be the leading scorer and facilitate the offense on the other end. That's going to be brutal. That's going to be really tough. Uh, Corey Kispert's still there. He's been around for like a billion years, but he's still there. Uh, Gonzaga is the transfer, uh, the transfer haven, you know, and so they've got uh, Andrew Nempard who's coming off the bench. He was a, a transfer from Florida. Uh, they just are loaded. They reload every single year. I, unless, BYU is able to control. They have to control either the guards or the bigs and try to make Gonzaga, it's like a football term, but try to make them a little bit more one-dimensional. I don't know how BYU controls the backcourt. So if they can, you know, get Timmy is still around. What I, I can't even remember his first name. Uh, is it Andrew? Andrew Timmy? Yeah. Um, so. if, he's, if he's still around, Drew, yeah, Drew Timmy is what he goes by. I think it is Andrew. If he's still around or if he's in the game, it's going to be really tough. If, if BYU is able to get him in foul trouble early with guys like Harms, Harward, Colby Lee, maybe that could be the, uh, the advantage that BYU has throughout the game. BYU has to, has to win the, re, uh, the rebounding battle because Gonzaga is elite shooting from deep. And so when you can't give them second, choice, second, second chance points, if you do, you aren't going to beat Gonzaga. And you got to get hot. You got to get super hot from behind the arc and hope. I mean, really, like, that's that's the key. Rebound, get hot, and hope. Right, and I mean, this game starts in 45 minutes, so by the time most of you are probably going to be listening to this, if 
well, I mean, you could probably just stop it. Well, you could skip ahead because we do have some football recruiting to talk about for 2022. But I mean, if if you see a bonus episode pop up in your feed, if you're listening to this on Friday, January 8th, uh, today's January 7th. Happy birthday, Dad. And Merry Christmas to all of the Eastern Orthodox <laughs> followers. Um, it, it's been a long week for me already. I'm glad it's Thursday. Um, so it is, and it also is my dad's birthday. Um, so if you are listening to this on Friday and you see a bonus episode in your feed, it means that we knocked off the number one team in the country and Jeff and I got back on to talk about it. So I'll tell you that right now. But if there is not, then we lost. Sorry about that. Um, but I agree. It's just, it's really going to take some. It's going to take some luck, man. It just It's going to take some luck because it's just in playing on short notice on the road, on the kennel. It's like, if you have a long time to focus and prep for a big game, then you can put together a strategy and do it. But when you're playing on this short of notice and the staff didn't have a lot of time to prep and the guys have been not playing, it's really like, this is the equivalent of almost like going out and playing a pickup game at a schoolyard and normally in the pickup game, the better team is going to win. You can't really get too crazy on strategy. You may be kind of out of sync a little bit. And if you're out of sync, the better players are just going to pull ahead. And as much as I love this team and this staff and what Mark Pope is building, this Gonzaga team is the number one team in the country for a reason. Yep. I I love what Mark Pope is building. Mark few has already built it. Yes. And, and that that's it, right? I mean, that's, that's the difference. Uh, we do have 2022 recruiting talk, something that we're going to do uh, throughout the year. I don't know if we'll do it every week, but we will do it fairly regularly. It's just kind of a brief update on some 2022 targets. We talk about them on the site a lot. We have articles in the last couple of weeks about uh, all three of, <clears throat> excuse me, all three of the guys that are on the agenda today. The first one, Carson Gay out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. One, I've been to Chattanooga, Tennessee. They have one hell of an aquarium at Chattanooga, Tennessee. And I know aquariums, like that's not the thing to talk about, but this Chattanooga aquarium is dope. Maybe it's not around anymore. I guess it's been like 15 years since I went to the Chattanooga aquarium. No longer than that. It's been like 20 years since I've been to the Chattanooga aquarium. But when I was there, it was the pinnacle of aquariums. And so if it's, are you looking it up? Do I need to look this up? The Chattanooga Aquarium? You just were, you looked like you were Googling something and I assumed that's what you were doing. I was looking at something else about the game tonight. Oh, well, yeah, the Tennessee Aquarium, it's still a thing. So if you're ever in Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, stop by the aquarium. If you're in Chattanooga, it's dope, man. I'm telling you. That's the place. I, I like aquariums. The Long Beach Aquarium is nice. Um, it's right by like the port where all of their little day cruises go out. If you're ever in Long Beach, they have a decent aquarium. Uh, but this one, this is, this is the aquarium. So Chattanooga Aquarium. Also, if you're in the market for a zoo, Omaha. Omaha, Nebraska has a legit zoo. I don't know why I know these things, but it's like, it's crazy. The Omaha Zoo, I remember one part of this Omaha Zoo, and they have, uh, it's like their, I can't remember, it's like their Bayou exhibit or something like that, but they have this room that it's all dark, and it's like a swamp, and you're walking on this like rickety wooden bridge, and there are legitimate alligators or crocodiles, I don't know which one, maybe both, I don't know. But they're swimming like around you as you're walking across this bridge. They have chicken wire 
over the water so they, they can't come up and get you, but it's dark and you don't really notice it unless you're looking for it. The Omaha Zoo is legit. So also, if you're in the market for a zoo, go to Omaha, Nebraska. If you're in the market for an aquarium, Chattanooga, Tennessee is your place. Uh, if you are in Chattanooga going to the aquarium and it happens to be fall, go check out Carson Gay, uh, elite tight end. He is – my my guy in this 2022 class is Tiger Adolfo out of uh, Rigby High School in Idaho, quarterback. And usually I have a guy who's totally under the radar, and at this point that's who what Adolfo is. LDS quarterback, I think he has early offers from Kansas and Hawaii, uh, but he should get one for BYU. I think he's legit. But my favorite recruit in this class is probably Carson Gay. He can't, he doesn't qualify for my quote unquote, my guy, because he's already on the radar, but he might be my favorite player in this class. He's six, six. He's actually a little bit North of six, six. I talked to him yesterday. Uh, he says that quarantine and the shutdown has done some really good things for him and, and his body. He's been able to, to work out more, put on some good weight. So he's a little bit taller than six, six, a little bit North of 230 pounds. Now the dude can, the dude's bouncy like he can jump he's got athleticism he's fast he is isaac rex is who he is yes i like him better than carson ryan the tight end out of timview because i think ryan is the kind of guy that's going to grow into an offensive lineman um but she um but i think gay is awesome and he is a very very good prospect and he the dude can play he is like the best of He's the best of Isaac Rex and Dallin Holker put into one. And I could not be more excited. And you put a crystal ball in this week for him. So I did. I did. It was mostly uh, an early hunch. It's not like, you know, sometimes when I put in a crystal ball prediction, it's because I've been tipped off by the recruit or his family or somebody. And I know what's going to happen. This is not that case. I, I, I think I, I did talk with Carson and I, he wants to make a decision before the season starts, but he wants to be able to take visits and CAA is still shut down until at least April. So uh, a commitment isn't necessarily imminent, but he, he seems like a BYU guy when you talk to him. Um, but by all means, I mean, he's got big suitors already. Uh, Old Miss, Tennessee, USC is after him. Uh, he, he already, he's in contact with some other bigger name programs, even than that. I can only assume that means schools like Alabama and Clemson and some of the big time programs in the South. Um, so the dude's legit and he's going to have a really legit offer list. I like where BYU stands. Coach Clark continues to be underrated, has done a great job early on with Carson Gay. Uh, another moving to a local flavor of prospects that we're going to hire, we're going to highlight this week. Two prospects, Dominic McKenzie and Cody Hagan. Both are wide receivers from the state of Utah. Dominic McKenzie, we'll start there, is the son of Brian McKenzie, who, and I don't know when this happened. Maybe it happened. Maybe I'm the one who's out of the loop. But Brian McKenzie joined the church. Did you know that? I don't know if that's common. I don't think, I don't think that I knew that. Uh, maybe he didn't. I don't know that for sure. I guess I shouldn't say that. Dude, but Brian, I, know that Dominic, I didn't realize also that Brian McKenzie came to BYU from one Arizona Western Junior College in yeah. Arizona. Yeah, he did. He went there from Florida. So he's got that Florida speed. Dominic McKenzie uh, is planning on serving a mission. So I, I guess I'm assuming that Brian McKenzie joined the church at some point, but maybe that's an inaccurate assumption. It really doesn't matter either way. Dominic McKenzie is a legit wide receiver out of Pineview High School in St. George. 
Uh, he is one of the fastest players. Uh, he, I, he's probably the fastest player. The only player who might be faster than him in the state of Utah this year is his twin brother, Marcus. Uh, he's a legit 10-7 guy, 10-6 guy. Marcus was a 10-6. Dominique was the 10-8 as a sophomore. They're only getting faster and bigger. Love, love, love where BYU stands with him. Um, they've made him an early priority as well. And then Cody Hagan, uh, a lot of people already know who Cody Hagan is, wide receiver at Corner Canyon, caught a lot of the touchdowns and a lot of the yards that Jackson Dart was throwing um, all of this past season. Cody Hagan will also likely serve a mission. BYU's his only offer right now, but I talked with Cody a few weeks ago, and he's hearing from some big-name programs, most of the Pac-12, all of the Mountain West. I would not be surprised if once things open up and coaches can look at him you know, in, in person and do an in-person evaluation, uh, the offers will start to roll in. All three of these guys, I have crystal balls for BYU. Uh, on 24-7 sports right now. Love where the Cougars stand for all of them. If BYU were to land these three guys, these are, if you put these three guys in the class of 2021, these are three of the seven or eight highest guys in the class. I mean, you're talking about some some really, really talented players. So that's a good thing. BYU recruiting is going well. It's going in the right direction. Yeah, it's and we're getting guys that if you look in the stars may not be there, but if you compare, just go back and look at, say, for like the offensive linemen that we have in the program right now. So obviously we're losing Brady Christensen. We are losing Tristan Hodge. Um, James IP is coming back. But if you just look at the number of P5 offers of the guys that were here or here and in the program now on the offensive line versus the guys that started in 2016 and 2017 it is night and day difference right like it's 2016 we had to go out and get you know we got uh we went and got andrew id and uh what was his the other kid from su keen keon norman um you know we went and got andrew id and keon norman from SUU and brought them in and because we needed immediate starters because the depth in the was just not there and they did well but it's you know they did well especially I mean obviously I'm biased I went to high school with Andrew ID he's a good friend of mine we played together but he um you know there is a vast vast difference in just the amount of talent and so I think more so than um more so than just straight stars. If you look at the amount of offers that someone has, I think that is the best metric to judge by because if everyone wants a kid, the kid can play. I don't care what the stars say, especially if you're looking like there's a very big difference between, you know, especially in the three star where you have such a wide range of people. If you're looking at a three star with offers from BYU, Houston, San Diego state, middle Tennessee and Florida international versus a three star with offers from BYU, San Diego state, Houston, Vanderbilt, Kansas State, you know, Boise State, and you you start seeing more of those either P5 offers, even like kind of middle road, say when a lot of coaches want a kid, the kid can play. And I don't care what his ranking is. If people want him, he can play. Jeff, you're muted. Oh, people want Carson Gay. I'm muted. What an awful, awful thing. We are doing this almost a year now, and this is the first time we've had to have the, you're on mute. Um, I'm blaming the sickness. It's okay. I know. I know you're willing, Dylan. You're trying to keep our 
faithful listeners updated and you're we're trying to get the latest and greatest on this coaching search. And so I will forgive you. I appreciate that. Carson Gay, I mean, everything you're saying is true. People want Carson Gay. Three-star, he will be a four-star, mark my words. And I think he will be a probably a mid-range four-star by the time all is said and done. If BYU is able to get him, and like I say, I think they will, that's a huge get in this class. He's just really, really good. Yeah. Um, so I love all three of their games. And with that, I mean, we have – it's 6.05. It's time to – got to go get some grub and sit down in front of the TV to watch this basketball game. Jeff, do you have any other parting words of wisdom for our faithful listeners? Um, another show that I started watching today that I will probably be watching in lieu of the basketball game, or maybe I'll be watching the basketball game on my computer, The Hateful Eight. It's a, another Western. I'm in a Western mood. I'm always in a Western mood. It's a Quentin Tarantino movie. It's a little more rated R than some people might be comfortable with, but Samuel L. Jackson, um, it's just fantastic. So, hey, Flip, have there. you watched Cobra Kai at all? I have. I watched the first season. I haven't got to the second season, and obviously not the third yet. I liked it, but I, I like this. The second season was good, but I think the third season is as good as the first season. And kind of yeah. the second, the it really the last episode of the second season was wild, and the third season has been really good so far. But I I was watching it last night, and I don't know if this is just me, but what's his name? William Zapka, I think, is his name. The guy who plays Johnny Lawrence. Um, and as I'm watching the show. To me, just like he looks like a male version of Ellen DeGeneres to me. And I don't know if that's like just me or if now I can't unsee this if I see him side by side. But it's like if Ellen DeGeneres had a twin brother, a fraternal twin brother, it would be the dude who plays Johnny Lawrence. And I can't mm-hmm. unsee it now. I've got to go. And, and I, I don't know. I never I never was watching it and saw Ellen DeGeneres. But maybe if I have that in my mind. Let me, I will here, let me send up a picture. Um, here, let me see here. Let me let me send you a picture in the chat really quick to see if what I think. Yeah, I I haven't watched the I I have a hard time once shows and this is like me just thinking I'm better than everybody, but I have a hard time once shows get mainstream. Yeah, I don't see I don't see Alan. Just there was like he made a facial expression or something in the show, and I was watching this at like 11:30 at night, laying in bed. So I could I could see how you'd get there, but I. I don't see him and go, oh, Ellen, oh my gosh. So, I don't know. Uh, anyway, go watch The Hateful Eight if you're in the mood for a Western. Go okay. watch The Highwaymen, no matter what, because you'll enjoy it. The Hateful Eight is good, and I'm enjoying it. Okay, so those That's are our it. recommendations for the week. And with that, Jeff, give them hell. Give them hell. <laughs> <laughs>